welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now, here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Let me ask you this. Where were the conversations or where are the conversations going? Because I feel like there are different stages of communities where people are getting to know each other. Okay, we're safe. Boom. Let me say the things that I can't say anywhere else. And there are some people in that group who are like, well, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Did you have that dynamic? If so, where are you headed? A lot of people in the community gave me the feedback of also having uh, categorized spaces. So just essentially creating subgroups within the community to allow people to really blossom within their expertise. There have been certain people that are like, only let those people in that are, you know, and I'm like, eh. so we're not, I, I'm not there yet because that still doesn't feel like the true ethos that I wanted to create. It may evolve into that, but currently we're not there. So, you know, we have the general community and now we have 12 subgroups of community where people who are either experts in the thing and or looking to get into the thing um, or looking for the thing that can be in that group, which is really great and continues to kind of spawn the integrative care element of wanting other people to access that thing. Someone was talking about sound baths, right? And then someone else chimed in and was like, oh, well, sound baths are like the trendy Malibu thing. But that, I mean, that's thousands of, like, Qigong and Buddhist meditation. And, we, and someone's like, what? And then they're like, drop the clip and drop the link. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, you know what I mean? So so it's, it's that type of spawning that can happen within those spaces. Um, Question. Mm-hmm. How do you make money? The way that I built it, I wanted to build it as simple as possible. So for the online platform, traditional SaaS, um, we are moving away from what I initially wanted, which was freemium. I'm getting some hard pushback from that. Um, not from the community at all, obviously. Well, how much, from like, the, do they want to pay? If so, like... They do. They do want to pay. But a lot of people... I had a freemium model that allowed folks 30 days to come into the space and check it out. 30 days? Wow, really? Come on now. Listen, so, yes, it was 30 days. Then I went down to seven days. And now it's like, everyone's like, no, no, no. So I'm like, okay, fine. Now we're going to do it based on um, access to, you know, the paywall access, right? So... You can come in, you can have the general community, you can, the general space, the lobby, I'll call it the lobby to give folks, right? We'll use a little hotel analogy, <clears throat> but you can, you can enter the lobby for free. You can kick in the lobby for free. If you want to access a modality community, that's your basic, your, your basic kind of subscription level. Then, and the, the subscription levels are good, better, best, because okay. I love branding and marketing as yeah. well, right? So um, so that's the good. The better level is a secondary level where you can also post and apply for jobs and opportunities, and you can access our Well Shop series, which is currently free but will not be free for very long, where we bring in um, experts in all areas of business. We On Thursday, we had an attorney, the everyday lawyer, Brianna Nev, what up, who created, um, she's essentially creating a curated, templatized essentially law retail is what she's offering and she's starting specifically with the healing community because of the amount of legal that we need and the minimum amount of money that we have to get it right hold harmless agreements lease liability all this kind of stuff right so she's doing that which is super dope and so that was the well shop on thursday but that will eventually be something that you can only access if you're in the um, better category the best category is the one that i've been working on and so excited about building for a while now and it is being able to share clients in a HIPAA compliant way, um, safely, securely within the platform without having the practitioner or the client exit the platform at all. 
So think of a dating app or a digital baseball card, as I used to call them, right? Um, you're my client. You come to me, Abraham. You're a therapy client of mine. And I'm like, you need to see... I really think that you should go and see a Reiki healer. You've got what something... Reiki. What's a Reiki healer? A Reiki healer, yes. Um, uh, energetic alignment, right? So you have... You, you've got different chakras, right? And again, I'm not a Reiki healer, so I'm just, I'm gonna be speaking of it from my own personal experience and understanding of it. But essentially, you know, you have areas of energy within your body, right? I believe there's seven chakras, eight chakras. Some of us will give us about this. See, see, it depends on the cultural and historical context. Exactly. And some people think there are more. Right. But keep going. Keep right, going. right. So, you know, so you, you, you have these chakras and you essentially go on a health journey with a Reiki specialist to identify what chakras you want to open based on the things that you're experiencing in your life. Okay. Okay. Sounds so like something I could use. Yeah. 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 So you, you go to this person, they, you know, create a process or a plan with you. You can see them, you know, obviously the more you see someone, the more you're going to get into the type of healing that you need and what that journey is going to look like. But so say I told you as my therapy client, you need to see a Reiki healer instead of you going on to Google or Facebook or Yelp, or wherever else you go on the interwebs to get your stuff, I would say that, and I would send you the Reiki healers that I was connected to personally in my community. Why is that a benefit to you? Because I know you. Because we're already in treatment together. Because I know your journey. I'm making your process easier. I'm giving you access that is verified. You're not just going to find some random person that's like, oh, I'm a Reiki healer. And I also do this and I do that and I do this and I'm not certified in any of it, but I go to YouTube University and I can help you out. Like you're, you're not going to be getting that, wasting your time with consultations, et cetera. Um, I send them to you via the app. You check them out. You can access their profile. You can look at them. You can look at, you know, their ratings, not ratings from other clients, ratings from other practitioners, right? How other people, how their colleagues and peers see them exactly and that he just made a good face. See, I want to be recording this right now. Um, how their colleagues and peers, you know, see them. And then you can swipe left or swipe right. Wow. It sounds like you really have refined and developed your model. So not what you're doing now, but how did you fund the business to get to this point? I, I like I said, I was in private practice. So you self-funded. I self-funded. How much? <laughs> I a lot, a little, you know? Um, I'm very lean. Again, I think that's the earnestine in me. I'm very resourceful and I'm very lean. So I would figure out what the budget was for a month, how many subscriptions did I have, and then additionally, from a personal standpoint, what I had to contribute to my household. And then I would look at that list for the professional side of what the budget was and figure out how much of this can I do myself? How many emails can I create to get as many free trials that I can, I mean, all the hacks, all the things um, so to make talk, it happen. Talk, talk more. And um, this word hack has been um, brought up as a word that, you know, some people think we should use a different word other than hack with the historical context of being um, behind and all that. But, but, but okay. it's an educational yep, yep, moment yep. for me to also learn about that. But talk about the strategies that you did use self-funding because a lot of people are just like, oh, well, let me just go get other people's money. But right. when you're managing your own, perhaps it's a little different. So right. what strategies are you willing to share with us that you did? Not all of them, but just one that you think really kind of helped you to save some money. Mm. Um, so again, from my statements, my experience, uh, speed is everything when you have no money because time costs money, right? 
And if y'all need to rewind that and listen to it again, you should. Because I'll use an example, right, of um, purchasing a URL. If you're going to purchase a URL, right, you do your, you do your one year. You're not going to purchase a URL just to sit on it. Some folks do, and that's great, and they have, like, a library of them. But, you know, if you really want to build a brand and, and build a website, even having a landing page, once you start paying those hosting fees, then you start thinking of how am I going to generate the content that's going to go on it. Don't, don't start racking up all of the costs of all of the programs. What is the bare minimum that I can do to get out as fast as I can? So I legit, like got my url which people are always shocked about how in the world did you get the better spot.com holy shit. i'm like i know right locked down the url got the lowest hosting package that i could not the premium not the sexy one with the whatever I, the lowest one that i could get and then i just picked templates in the very beginning because i wasn't a web designer but i couldn't hire a web designer so i was like template boop boop and then i was like "Ooh, okay pictures okay do i need to get the most amazing film editing package. No, I'm about to use my iPhone because I've got some cute things in here. Let me get some lighting. Let me, you know, go to CVS, get some lip gloss. Okay, boo boo. Oh, headshot. Here we go. Like, let me, you know, you just, you, you figure out how to do it from the things that you have, the things that are free, and then figure out how to navigate maintaining elements of those free things as long as you can. I know, um, you know, it may sound wild to be like, oh, well, if you get one free trial, you know, why would you have another email address to get another free trial? Some people sign up for trials. The clock, obviously, on the back end is ticking. The moment you say, click, right? As an entrepreneur wearing many hats, you probably won't get to it for a while unless you have the intention from the moment you sign up to get to it immediately. So now you've already wasted one to three days. You only have a seven-day trial. By the time you get to the fifth day, you're finally getting the hang of how to even use it. And now you're on day seven, and they're like, do you want to upgrade or we're going to not allow you to download your stuff or we're going to block you out of your shit? Like, whatever it may be, right? So... When you go into those things, either go into it with full intention to sit down and make sure that you've managed out the time to get it done and or have another email address where you're like, yo, okay, well, I've got my primary. Now you're about to hit it with the backup so I can get another seven days to make sure, you know, you, you got to figure it out. So that's, that, it was a lot of, a lot of figuring it out. Speaking of figuring it out, uh, at some point in an entrepreneur's journey, they ask, you know, do I need outside money to grow faster? And I know you have some experience with that. If you never got another dime outside of your customers or self-funding it, could you keep going with this? Is venture capital dollars or angel investment or outside money, is it necessary to grow? And if it stopped, would you keep going? Could you keep going? I mean, I'll give you a very recent and honest uh, and uh, experience. Um, so we got our first full, our first, I'll, I'll say outside, cause friends and family, like my mother is my biggest fan. Uh, my partner is my biggest fan. So they've both, you know, supported me and being able to kind of get over some of those humps and always at request, right? It's not like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing and I'm gonna have all this marketing behind it. It's just like, yeah, I'm gonna have to shut down. My mom's like, what, for what? No, what, 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 do you, what do you need? What do you need? You know, um, so it's, that's always been amazing and super grateful for that. But we got our first fund uh, investment in November. Congratulations. Thank you. And to answer your question, I would not have been able to do what I've done or get or have gotten where we have gotten without that because I was able to hire monthly a dev tech 
to to build one of the biggest features that which is the the, the integrative uh, client referral network. I could have done that. However, to answer the question that you just asked, no, I can't. I mean, I I don't. I just ran out of money. And as much as he loves our mission, he's got to eat too. So he's like, hey, when you're ready to get back to it, I'm here. But our contract has ended, and so has the work. I'm right there to be able to, you know, and I can't provide that top tier, that best level of membership on the platform until the thing that I'm promising is completed. So it's, it's all intertwined, right? Like, could I continue to kind of, uh, you know, pull, pull along with what we've been doing? Sure. It's not as loud as it needs to be to make the impact that I know it can, and it can only do that with additional dollars. How long should one expect it to take for the company to be profitable? Oh my gosh, if I could answer that, I feel like I, I mean, that's not, <laughs> I don't, uh, profitable in the sense of paying for all of your expenses, profitable in the, in the sense of paying for Paying yourself a salary, profitable. He's not. He's nodding. Okay, you're nodding for all these things. I just want them to know because they can't see your face. Yes. For, yes. For you to pay yourself and everybody else. And everybody else. Wow. Um, I don't know. A lot of companies aren't profitable. Yeah, but it's a new day. It's 2023. Now, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We'll see what happens. A lens or profitability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what should one expect if I'm starting a business today? How long should I give myself before? You know, I should expect to to be able to pay myself. Sure. Um, with customer money. With customer money. Goodness. I don't know. I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to confidently give you a time because there's so many nuanced factors that are necessary to know before I can give you that answer. What are you doing? How adept are you at doing the thing that you're doing, right? Are you a no? If you, okay, so if you are a no-code founder and you are building technology, you're gonna need a minute. So keep that job, <laughs> right? Keep that nine to five until you. There's if if you are building something for someone that you cannot build yourself, and the someone will not pay for the thing until it is built. There is your answer. I see. Right. I want to switch gears here a little bit. Yeah. Um, we met through Parentpreneur Foundation. Yeah. Which inherently is family oriented, mm-hmm. uh, founder oriented, but for people who who um, care about families. Yesterday, I was on a call with a couple estate planning lawyers. Okay. And they were talking about being parents, both okay. with young children and with older children. I don't have any children. And they were like, you're being pretty quiet. You know, do you have any thoughts? And they had been saying that a lot of the memories that they had with their children revolved around sports. In fact, one of the, there was a third person there too, who was like, you know, I'm trying to think about the memories I have with my parents, but they all revolve around sports. And it really made me think what memories I have growing up that are specifically about my parents, not my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, not school, um, not, you know, my other hijinks that I was doing back in the day, but specifically with my parents. And I came up with the few, it was, you know, road trips, traveling Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. vacations, Mm -hmm. uh, blessed to be able to hop in the car and roll. It was also sitting down at the dinner table Mm -hmm. and having creative discussions because it's one thing, one of the many things I really appreciate about my parents is that when we were younger, it was dinner time. We came together. Mm -hmm. I was reading this. 
uh, I don't really agree with that based on my mm-hmm. experience. And mm-hmm. then three hours later, you know, the TV was off. We were just kind of honing in on that. And so what I want to ask you about is kind of how has this journey impacted your family life and vice versa? You mentioned your mother, mm-hmm. you mentioned your partner. Just talk about the ways in which this journey has maybe positively impacted how you are a parent, how you are, you know, a family member, a friend, a lover, et cetera. Wow. So uh, being the founder of The Better Spot and having the vision of sustainable wellness and what that looks like, you know, started with my own experiences and obviously includes that of my family. When I think about, you know, my two kids, five and eight, um, what type of care they're going to need. Preventative care is paramount and how they're going to be able to access it and what it's going to look like. Are their care providers going to look like them? Are, are they going to, you know, be able to experience care that's not going to harm them in the long term? Are they going to experience care that's not going to, you know, put them at the center of like, you know, a capitalist structure of like, no, we're giving you this thing so you need more of the thing, so you always need the thing. From their experience of how it's had me interact with them and, you know, my daughter who is eight um, started taking a coding class. She's in second grade. Why? Because she says she wants to run my company. And she says that she's seen how frustrated mommy is after calls because mommy is essentially at the mercy, so to speak, of these dev techs. Because now my technology has gotten to a point where I can no longer step in and do the thing like I did when I started. Now I need these people to continue doing this thing. And my daughter's very much like, I don't want to have to need anybody. I want to do it myself. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Right. So if she if she wouldn't have seen, but that also has to do with the state of the world, right? Like, I mean, you know, however many or so, I never saw my mom in the room. I never went to board meetings because there was no Zoom. There was no, I wasn't in the room with her when she was talking to these folks. She would come home. She, you know, would wash her hands. She would do her little breathing before she made dinner. And then we didn't, there was no discussion of her day and I didn't see it. So there was a separation from an understanding of what she was doing and how she was placed in the community. I feel like my kids have had um, a very unique experience to be able to see me build, to see how it affects me as a human, and also to experience how it changes me as a mom. Talk more about the choices that you're making as a parent to include your daughter in this way. Are you concerned that she's going to be too serious? Are you encouraging her in a way that is allowing her to come into her own? Just talk about the choices that you are making that are different from the choices that were made with you. Mm. Uh, The biggest one is one that was was just talked about, um, which is the the obnoxious question that just makes me itch that I hear all the time in schools. It's age old. I'm going to say it and you're going to make a face because I know you're going to hear. What do you want to be when you grow up? Right? That, <laughs> that's the question. That's the question that every teacher says and this, that, and the other. And it, you know, our nature, human nature requires that we categorize, right? It's, 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 it's how people process information. It's how our cognition works, right? I can identify this thing. Does this thing have a name? If it doesn't have a name, I'm going to give it a name and then I'm going to interact with it based on that and so on and so forth, right? So with my daughter though, uh, and my son, like, they'll come home one day 
and they'll be inspired by something. And they just had chickens in the class, the whole bird thing that happens in second grade. So these are the chickens. And she's like, I want to have a farm. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, if I have a farm, I mean, what does that look like? Yeah. How much land do we need? And how do we have to go down that rabbit hole? Let's talk about it. Why don't you start by growing one thing? Okay, well, she grew the one thing, and then the thing died. Well, why did, it, why did the plant die? Well, I didn't have it in the sun. Okay, well, that's one. I mean, so what happens if you have a farm and all of your crops die, but that's how you make your money? Oh, okay, well, can you help me next? Yes, you need help, and you need this, and you need that. Okay, well, today I actually want to have a TV show. Or today, when I told her what I was doing, she was like, what's a podcast? And I described it to her, and she goes, ooh, I want to do that. And I go, okay. And she goes, but I want to ask the questions and I want to answer them. I was like, so you just, you just want to have your own show. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, bet, cool. Let's, we've got cameras at home and we've got, you know, you've got great wallpaper in your bedroom. Let's do a little something. You know, she's identifying who she is by the actions and contributions that she's bringing right now. And so I want to encourage that. Whereas in the home that I grew up in, my mom was like, you're really great at this thing. Do you want to do that thing? Well, when your parent that you adore says you're great at something. Oh, okay, sure, I'll do that thing. And then it's like, well, now I've made a financial investment, right? Because we're coming from a different generation of, you know, my mom's age and where she came from. Well, I invested money in it. Now you're gonna do it until it's done, right? You're gonna, okay, well, and then you just, then you get into the idea of, is this the only thing that I can do? I am really good at it, but it no longer brings me joy. But everyone thinks I'm really good at it. She invested money into it. Now I feel indebted. Okay, now I want to do it for her. I'm not doing it for me. Mm, that's going to change how good I am at this thing. It's going to change the, the, the fervor that I bring to this thing. It's going to change my independent curiosity around navigating and growing more within that thing because it's no longer intrinsically for me. So um, I always want my kids' internal curiosity and love to blossom no matter what it is. Um, I want to support them and not the thing. Um, and then another thing that I heard that I was like, I have to get another tattoo because it's just so we in American culture, we don't tend to say, we say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're looking for an occupation. I want to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I want my kids to say happy. And I want to say, yes, thank you. I've done my job. And I want that to be the thing. I love that. And you reminded me of something that I've been saying more recently now. Uh, because my parents and some of my siblings and I, we chat every Sunday. We started it during the pandemic and we've continued it going just to check in. At first, it was like we were all in different cities. Are you still you know, there? How are things in your city? What are the new regulations? And now we just catch up. And one Sunday, we were talking about you know what you tell people when they turn 18 and leave. Mm. And for the most part, it's okay, you've graduated from high school, go out and get a great education, probably going to college so you can get a good job, hopefully a career, get a house, get a car. That's the expectation. We say go out and build a great career. Mm -hmm. But we rarely say to 18-year-olds, go out and build a great family. Mm. And I was talking to a student at Howard who wants to go to law school. And we had gone through the strategy and all that, the LSAT, when to apply and all this. And then at the end, I said, you know, this may sound odd, but over the years having these discussions, I think it's apropos to say now it's going to be a weird thing. Uh, but, you know, I'm 31 now. A lot of people that I went to school with, they got the career. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They hit 31, boom. 
that wasn't the hard part. Oh. The family mm. was the hard part. Yeah. So just keep that in mind mm -hmm. as you're kind of maneuvering through this because it can go really fast. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that because yeah. you are uh, you're a good parent for allowing that space and, and opening it up in that way. Yeah. And don't take it lightly because this is, you know, sort of the future, right? Yeah. Uh, so the next thing I want to ask you as we sort of come into the station here on this on this <laughs> podcast is uh what is a piece of advice that you've kind of received that really stands out to you i was talking to my mother yesterday actually and i used to have this uh, blurb on my skype that said question everything mm. and i got that from her and now that i think about it, that's some of the best advice that i've gotten even as a lawyer to mm. question everything is very valuable but for you what's a piece of advice that you know, has stuck with you that you want to share with us to just keep in mind that kind of keeps you honest. Yeah. Uh, it's from, it's from my auntie. My auntie used to always say it. And it, basically she would say, you know, you can't win if you don't play, which is just essentially, you know, you'll never know if you can succeed or not, if you don't try. And so when people have asked me, what's your biggest fear? I always say not trying, not doing something. And it's not, it's not specific to say, oh, not doing something that makes me scared or not doing something. No, my, my, my biggest fear is not doing something, not as a, as a FOMO of like missing out, but not doing something that I want to do. Not doing something that I know I'm capable of doing for fear of other people's judgment for, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, that's the phrase that's, that has really impacted me the most in everything. If you look at the zip codes that I've lived in over the past 15 years, the occupations that I've had, it has only added to the intersections of my life. Places are always going to be there. I was, I mean, when you talk about your colleagues and people that you graduated with, right? Like I literally was the person where someone's like, hey, are you still, are you still in New York? No, I'm not. Wait, wait, what do you mean? You just, when did you move? Oh, I just, I moved uh, north side of Chicago. Oh, okay, great, cool. Talk to them a year or two later. So how's the north side of what? Chicago. Oh, I'm in East LA. Wait, what? Like, why not? You know, just having kids has been the thing that has really kind of pulled me into wanting to create a bit more geographic stability for them so they can build those communities and, you know, really dial into how they feel, again, that they can contribute to the world. Having that, having that stability is really important for them. But the beautiful thing is I can have my family here. I have a dynamic husband who is great uh, and holds it down. And, you know, if mom wants to go and do an accelerator somewhere for a few, hey, grab those points, get in the plane, get in the car, come and see me. But I can't, yeah. You have to try. We are in alignment because that is what I wanted to talk about as we close this out is geography and ecosystem mm. because you've seen several. So <laughs> uh, I know you're familiar with the startup ecosystem in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned being from Chicago, although I don't know how integrated you are into that ecosystem. You can oh, talk about sure, that. Sure, yeah. And then now you're in Atlanta. So I'm going to ask you several questions to open this up because who better to ask than somebody who's been in these different places? Right. Um, what are you most excited about here in Atlanta? Why did you move to Atlanta? What is all the hype about? Like, is it warranted? How does it compare to the others? And when you left LA and came, what were you leaving that you see that's an opportunity for Atlanta to adopt that it doesn't yet have? So I am in health and wellness, right? I'm in well tech, as I call it, health tech, others, whatever. When you move from 
I'm doing air quotes, the Mecca, right? The, 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 cent like the central space of health and wellness from a national level, California, 70 and sunny, IV bars on the corner, juice bars, oxygen bars, this, that, vegan, blah, 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 blah right? When you move from that and you're building something in health tech, everybody, oh my goodness, like, you know, um, the education aspect, like the questions that you're asking me, are like, what's Reiki? What's this? What? I would never, people be schooling me. A random person on the street, like literally, if someone would have heard me say that, we were in LA, right? Just say we were like kicking it over in Silver Lake and somebody walked down the sidewalk and heard me describing Reiki. I'm so sorry, can I interrupt? It's actually the blah, blah, blah. I mean, like immediately. <laughs> immediately because that community has positioned itself to be that thing um i was most drawn to atlanta for a lot of reasons but specifically from the professional side i would say i was drawn to atlanta because it's considered from a national standpoint to be a health desert right when you look at from a community space how many folks are actively practicing and educated in preventative care or alternative care medicine when you look at the population of people that are practicing it or that are practicing it in in regards to receiving it but also in regards to implementation of providers you have a gross majority of providers that are not from the ethno background of where the core of what they're practicing comes from in Atlanta. so yes Oh yeah, I've been the. I'll, I'll have to talk to you about a lot of the research that I've done with the practitioner community within uh, integrative care medicine. Yeah, it's it's wild when you. I was just looking at. I forget who posted it, but I was looking at someone's um, the racial demographic, uh, racial demographic uh, breakdown geographically in our country. Right, if you're looking at a map of America, it, if you just put your hand up and you do an L, that's that's where the highest concentration of, you know, uh, black and brown folks are. Interestingly enough, I thought it was going to be more Texas, but, you know, you got the Southeast, right? And then a little bit of the East Coast. And so when you think about that, and then you think about the majority of uh, ACM alternative care medicine providers in this city, not being a black and brown background, it's fascinating. And it's like, well, why is that? why aren't there more practitioners that are re or a reflection of the communities that created the indigenous communities that created those forms why aren't they the ones um doing it and then you get back to the conversations that we started started this podcast with right access who has the ability to hone in their specialty of wellness of healing but then also has the capital to become a successful business person and let people know what they're doing um, and it tends not to be our communities. So I was really drawn to Atlanta for that. Not to mention, I got to tell my five-year-old that we were going to Wakanda. And he was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, it's a wrap. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, one quick follow-up to that. And it sounds like you're settled here. So this may be um, a sticky one to ask you. But if you had to leave Atlanta and go to another startup ecosystem in the U.S. and outside the U.S., where would you go and why? In the U.S. and outside? Um, oh, my goodness. If I had to leave, I would, man. Okay, so I'm just going to hone in on the exact question. Startup ecosystem. It would be probably Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, 
just for startup ecosystem, not for not for anything else. Not personal, not family, not quality, but just startup ecosystem. What's happening in Tulsa? Why? why what, what's uh, where's the magic? Oh, there's a fire that's burning in Tulsa, there, and a, a positive one, a uh, an effervescent, unbelievable, overwhelming, just yeah. There is there is an incredible energy that is brewing there that has been reignited there there's a renaissance that's happening within that space and every founder that i talk to that has moved there just they don't even talk about it i can just hear the shift in how they speak to me versus when they were in wherever they were before um and i'm like mm, mm, right that energy I can I can pick up on that. I can hear that. So there's something that's happening there that's happening to people that they may not even be aware of. So um, I need that. When you're you know when you're building in the face of adversity, specifically within the medical industrial complex in this country, and you look like me, you know you you need to have an inspiration that comes from the community that you're a part of. Um, and I feel like which is why I'm here. But if I had to pick another spot, it would be there for the tech, uh, the tech ecosystem out of the country. I mean, I don't know if I were to go on like what I'm seeing and all the articles and stuff, it would be somewhere in Africa, obviously. But there's a lot of sustainability happening there. There's a lot of fintech happening there. Not so much health tech. Interestingly enough, I've been looking into Estonia and it's primarily because they're they're all digital, right? They're all digital. Their their digital visas are wild. The way that their government supports their tech founders is really like for real. Like housing credit. I mean, it's it shows that like the 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 political system of that country is like no no no. no. We know we know what's going to happen. We know where the world is headed. We want to make it as easy as easy as humanly possible to be able to support you in doing what you're doing. So um, if it weren't Africa, it would definitely be there. That sounds good. And thank you for sharing that. The last question is something that you probably touched on throughout this conversation, which I'm grateful to be here outside Cafe Kama right now talking to you like this. But what's the most valuable thing that you do for your customers at The Better Spot? Mm. Um, I mean, you'd have to ask one of them, but I can, I can say based off of feedback, um, it is, it's transparency, transparency for me as a founder, but the transparency that I've baked into this community. Safety, the word safety brings up a lot for a lot of people and looks very different for a lot of people. Safety is subjective. So when people try to create a overarching kind of, you know, this is safety. Not everyone that's within that space is going to feel safe, and so some people may not elect into it. However, if you build it from an infrastructural standpoint and you are, you know, the success of my business is not necessarily a capital success, although I know VCs listening to this will be like, and on to the next one. So if that's, if that's what's up, if that's how you feel, bye. But um, the success is the sustainability that I'm providing for practitioners. Without practitioners, there is no health and wellness. There will always be sickness, but there is no health and wellness without the practitioner. And so I need to give them that. 
that space, that safety to be able to continue doing what they're doing. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> no, you're good. That was, that was a powerful closing statement. So uh, the, I guess the real last question is how can people get in touch with you? Where should they go? If I'm listening to this right now, I'm like, yo, I vibe with Madeline as a founder and also maybe as a potential community member, where should I go and how should I reach out to you to get yeah. a response? Yeah, I mean, thebetterspot.com. That's it. That's where we're at. Betterspot.com. You can hit me up, uh, Madeline at thebetterspot.com for my, you know, uh, my direct email. Um, thebetterspot.com on all socials. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed this time with you. It was Yay! nice to meet you in person nice and to, to go deep you. on who you are, what your company is, what you've built. And I know that others are going to be touched by this. We even got a little parenting advice as well. <laughs> uh, but with that, we will leave you with the last word. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I mean, yeah, just try. Just try. There's no, there, there's no harm in trying. And the only way to guarantee failure is to not do it at all. Well, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute journey on this conversation. Thank Until you. next time, we bid you adieu. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guest to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and we'll see you next week.